welcome to Sustain, the podcast where we talk about sustaining open source for the long haul. Who are we? Where did we come from? Where are we going? Why can I never remember anything? Like my memory is 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 going. Well, we'll talk about that in a second. Really excited to have our guest on today. Before I introduce our two guests, I want to make sure that you know who the voices are on this podcast. So I am Richard Litauer. Hello, everyone. And I am here today with Justin Dorfman, longtime Sustain host and sustainer. Justin, how are you? I'm great, Richard. How are you? I'm good. I'm still not in LA. I know you really love it there. One day I will visit. We have two guests today, also from other parts of the country, calling in from Minneapolis. We have Sarah Grand. Sarah, how are you? I'm great. Thank you. Excellent. I'm glad to hear that. I'm really excited to talk to you and also Josh Ose calling in from New York. Josh, how are you? I'm doing well. Awesome. Okay, so Sarah and Josh both work for ISRG, the Internet Security Research Group. You probably don't know that acronym. I didn't know it before reading their bios, but I do know Let's Encrypt. Let's Encrypt is a massive project and certificate authority that serves more than 250 million websites. We're not going to talk too much about Let's Encrypt today. We'll probably cover it briefly. But what's really interesting that they're working on is an effort to bring memory safe code to critical digital infrastructure called Prosimo. I, I hope I pronounced that right. Yes. Prosimo is super cool. Sarah works as a communications and fundraising for ISRG. I want to thank you for taking time out of the busy early January follow up period. Nonprofits, please follow up with everyone. And Josh works as the ED. And I want to thank him again for being here. So. I think let's start with a bit more background. What is ISRG besides what I explained? What is it you do there? ISRG is the 501c3 nonprofit that exists to house public benefit infrastructure projects. And we were formed in 2013 with the primary objective of being a home at that time for Let's Encrypt. Since then, ISRG has expanded and we now have three projects, Let's Encrypt, Prosimo, and a third project called Divi Up, which is a service that provides privacy preserving metrics. So I'm confused. This was founded in 2013 to host public digital infrastructure. Why only three projects? It sounds like an awesome thing that should host almost every open source project in the world because there's so much public digital infrastructure out there that's really important. How do you choose which projects to focus on? Well, there's a couple of parts to that. There are a lot of open source software organizations out there, and we are for the most part not really that. Our primary goal is to run software infrastructure. So we want to run the software for people, not it. develop it. We do get involved in open source development in some ways. So it, one way we do that is a lot of the software that we develop for our services is open source, but that's a means to an end. We also do some work on open source software when we feel like we need to do that work in order to secure our infrastructure. So the project we're going to talk about today, Prosimo, is about going out and improving security in a bunch of really critical pieces of software. And... Our goal there is we run a lot of that software and we want more secure software. So we're contributing to it both for our own good and for the good of everybody else. But our goal is not to like, we don't want to host those projects. We don't want them to be a part of ISRG. We just want that to help when it comes to open source software. But I think the second part about the number of projects we have is we just like to do a lot of research 
about what we're doing. We're, we're not a throw it at the wall and see what sticks organization. So we pretty deeply consider ideas and figure out, do they match all the criteria we're looking for? Like, are they going to have scale, right? So we typically don't get involved in things that are niche or will remain niche. So do they have scale? Are they appropriate for a nonprofit to operate? Is there funding available to do that stuff? Is there some reason why we should be involved as opposed to someone else doing it? So we have all these different criteria about why we might operate a project. And so far, we've got the three that we have make the most sense. And we've sort of projected a bunch of other ones, not necessarily because they were bad ideas, just maybe because we're not the right people to do it. Well, with that said, can you explain the differences between Prosimo and Rust? I'm not an engineer. So looking in, I see memory safe and I go, oh, Rust does that. So can you please like differentiate the two? Sure. So Rust is a programming language in the world of programming languages. It's relatively new, although it's probably a decade old at this point. So it is a programming language. Our Prosimo project is about moving critical software to what's called memory safe languages. Rust is a memory safe language there, but there are a bunch of memory safe languages out there. Java is another very popular example, Python, things like that. So there are a bunch of memory safe languages out there. Rust is one of them. Oh, I got it. So it's, it's like a advocacy group moving towards memory safe languages. Right. And then we okay. take it a little bit beyond advocacy in that we sort of come up with plans and actually get the work executed. So we might say we want to help secure the Linux kernel, for example. So we'll help come up with a plan for how can that be done, but technically, but also in terms of funding and who's going to do the work and things like that. And then we'll go raise the money and pay the people to do the work. So in the case of the Linux kernel, we're paying someone named Miguel Ojeda to work full-time on bringing Rust into the Linux kernel to improve memory safety in the kernel. So Rust is a memory-safe language that we tend to use a lot in our projects because they're low-level systems projects. And Rust, compared to almost all other memory-safe languages, Rust is particularly good for low-level systems engineering work. I don't know how technical I should get, but one of the main reasons is that Rust doesn't have a big runtime. It doesn't have garbage collection or anything like that. So you can do things like put Rust in the Linux kernel, or you can put Rust in low-level utilities. It's hard to bring other memory-safe languages in. So we're not specifically about Rust. Rust is just one of our favorite tools because it works really well with low-level systems. Got it. Thanks for telling me because I was just a little confused, but yeah, that's awesome. Thanks, Justin. One of the things I want to know before we get too much into the weeds, which I love getting into, is why is memory allocation important? Why that vulnerability? It sounds like what you're doing at ISRG or specifically at Prosimo is refactoring all the low-level stuff, which is great, but it seems like a lot of effort. Why bother? Managing memory in a program, it's really important for security. If you don't manage memory correctly, attackers can take advantage of that to do all sorts of nasty things. And the thing that's the most interesting about memory safety to me is that of all the different things that can go wrong in a computer program, memory management is something we know how to solve. We don't know how to just treat it. Essentially, we know how to solve it. And the way you solve it is you write code and languages that are memory safe, meaning they don't allow you to make memory safety errors. So I've been working with software for a long time. And as long as I've been working, there have been constant streams of memory safety vulnerabilities. So if you've got an 
phone, right? That phone updates itself periodically with a bunch of security fixes. You look at the release notes for those security fixes and every time it's just a dozen or so memory safety vulnerabilities getting fixed. It happens over and over again. It is a, it's really just a plague on our industry. The thing about this plague is it doesn't have to exist. There's no fundamental problem we don't know how to solve. It's just we need to do work and we haven't done the work. These memory safety vulnerabilities come mostly out of writing code in C and C++. Sometimes out of assembly code, but mostly C and C++. And the way you solve this problem is you stop writing code in C and C++ and you rewrite the code that you already have. Now, I'm making that sound simple now. I acknowledge it is a ton of work. Not something that's going to happen anytime soon. It's pretty clear that is where we need to go. And we can start that work today focusing on high-value bits. And you know, over time, we can eliminate that code from the internet's infrastructure. I would also add that the reason that Prosimo came into existence now and why we think that this is the moment to take action is that these memory-safe languages have matured to a place where they can really be applied in a lot of security-sensitive software situations. We're not trying to rewrite everything in a memory-safe language. We are looking for specific places where there is a sizable security improvement that can happen with a contained amount of work. So, for example, we are doing some work with Apache HTTPD to write a new memory-safe TLS module. That's a very contained improvement that can happen to Apache with an outsized benefit to all of the people who are using Apache HTTPD. And I think it's important to note that people shouldn't feel bad about having spent a career writing in C and C++. It is a prolific language. It's just that now the paradigm has changed and we really want to encourage people to take advantage of the new tools that are available for them. So speaking of Apache, is Log4j on your radar in terms of funding? I know that it's been huge in the news cycles lately. Is that something that you can kind of help them with? Fundraise off of, can you maybe go a little more into how that's maybe brought a little more attention to memory safe languages? Well, the Log4j vulnerability was not a memory safety vulnerability. So the project doesn't really apply to that kind of thing. And I believe, I'm not 100% sure on this, but I believe that Log4j is Java Java is already a memory safe language. So we thought we would not get involved with Log4j. However, I do think that there are two related points that are getting the right amount of attention today that were not before Log4j. The first of which is how widespread certain pieces of software are. I think businesses and the government and regular people using the internet don't really have a strong conception of how widely distributed these pieces of software are. And secondarily, how limited the number of people are who are able to develop and maintain them and how those people need to be supported and helped as an ongoing basis because they are underpinning so much of our society and economy. So 
from my perspective at, in communications and fundraising, I think this is a great moment for us to help people understand that memory safety isn't at the crux of Log4j, but it is something that needs to be addressed in the same way that people are putting attention on how to fix Log4j with the care and nurturing and funding and support that people are now pouring toward or at least calling for people to pour toward that piece of software. Awesome. Thanks for clarifying that. So Let's Encrypt, it's a really well-known brand. I don't want to get too far into the weeds on it because I'm sure you get questions all the time, but I was confused. I always thought the Linux Foundation was the organization that was kind of leading this. And that's my ignorance. Obviously, that's not the case. Can you discuss or clarify the relationship you have with the Linux Foundation? Yeah, they've been really great partners since the beginning with us. So when we started ISRG, we had a lot of work to do. We needed to build a certificate of authority. We needed to hire engineers. We had to get fundraising up and running, all this sort of infrastructure work that we needed to do. And at the time, I was one of the only full-time people doing it. And we used the Linux Foundation, and we still use Linux Foundation today to help us run our, I guess you could call it operational infrastructure. So in the beginning, I really got to focus on the work of building a certificate authority because Linux Foundation took care of HR, payroll, benefits, things like that. So the relationship now is ISRG is its own nonprofit. We are our own nonprofit entity, but the employees of ISRG are actually employees of Linux Foundation who just work full-time for ISRG. So we use them for a bunch of services to support the organization. And it's been great over the years and really has allowed us to focus on on our work. How vicious is your competitors that charge for certificates? I was just leaving the CDN business when Let's Encrypt was coming in. And yeah, there was some harsh words towards the Let's Encrypt folks. Rising tide raises all ships. Yes, I like that. Yeah, there's been a bit of nastiness out there whenever there's a big change in an area. I think there's always people and ways in which people are upset about change, but that stuff I think gets a lot of attention. But for the most part, we have quite good relationships with the commercial CAs. We know the people who work there, we help each other out, things like that. But yeah, everyone's around is a bit of nasty, but I would say for the most part, we're all helping each other out and trying to build a more secure internet. All right. So Let's Encrypt is really interesting from a funding model and dealing with Linux Foundation and the like is, is interesting. One of the questions I have is Prosimo getting money for rewriting everything in Rust or the important stuff in Rust seems difficult to me. So I'm curious, how do you go out and make this project sustainable? Well, we've had pretty good success so far, actually. We started fundraising for our initiatives in the early part of 2021. And we're successful in getting funding for work for CURL, the Apache HTTPD work, the Rust and the Linux kernel work. And I think there are a couple factors that our supporting companies so far, Google, Amazon Web Services, and Cisco all see as reasons to support this work. First of all, they are aware that 
memory, safety, vulnerabilities are a huge weak spot. And they see the strategy that we have put together. Each one of these initiatives has a very specific strategy as to how to accomplish it in a reasonable amount of time with highly skilled and effective developers and with a price tag that is quite small compared to the benefit that it will provide not only them as a company, but all of the other dependencies that are out there that will be improved by having this type of software available. We have other things that we're certainly looking to fund and we have active conversations with a lot of different organizations. We're certainly looking to make the tent bigger. And I think one of the things that's helping us is how quickly we have gone from a first conversation with a prospective funder to actual code that can be actually used somewhere. It is a very efficient process. And that's because of our rigid focus on getting work done that can have an impact. Well, I'm glad you brought up Curl. Daniel is the maintainer and founder is just He's such an incredible, unique maintainer. And the fact that he's open to working with it, I can imagine doing DevRel for so long, some developers being very hostile towards any changes or maybe you didn't experience that, but like I can just imagine some going, how dare you come in and tell me I need to change my code. But yeah, so working with Daniel, a lot of people don't realize this, but you use Curl every single day probably every single hour because it's in your refrigerator, it's in your microwave, it's in your car, like it's hidden digital infrastructure. So the fact that you are working on that with him is going to make such a huge impact. And hearing that just makes me very happy because a lot of people don't realize where Curl is. It's everywhere. It's like a 10 plus billion devices worldwide. But in order to do that, I mean, it's going to take a lot of money. What is your yearly budget for the ISRG for running not just the Prosimo project, but like everything? So there are two ways that we look at our budget. The first is our operating budget, and that's just about $6 million. And that covers all of our staff and engineers and everything that goes into Let's Encrypt and making that service available to 275 million websites, counting, and our Divi Up service and the strategy and advocacy work that we do for Prosimo. Then beyond that budget, we seek funding for these initiatives specifically. So as we develop a strategy, there is a cost associated primarily related to paying the maintainers. And that's what we share with prospective funders and sponsors. So we have, I think, four things that we're looking to fund in 2022. And each one of those will be sequential or additive to our operating budget. I mean, six million It's a lot of money, don't get me wrong. But for what you are trying to accomplish and what you are accomplishing, how do you make that work on $6 million? Shouldn't more companies step up to the plate or can you do more with less? I think it's worth covering what it 
means for these projects to make change and make it clear that most of our plans don't involve approaching a maintainer and asking them to rewrite everything. I think that's not likely to be a very successful strategy. So take curl, for example. Curl is a utility that transfers files over a network from one place to another. At its core, that's what it does. So it's essentially a network transaction. Working with Daniel, we were able to replace the HTTP and TLS components of curl with memory safe components in a relatively short amount of time. And Daniel writes a lot of code in C, and we were able to do this without Daniel writing one single line of Rust. And the way that we did this is he has an HTTP library in curl that's written in C. We swap that out and we put in an HTTP library written in Rust, but that has C bindings. So he was just able to write C bindings and swap out the whole HTTP engine. And we did the same thing with TLS. You swap out OpenSSL and you swap in a memory safe library called Russell's. But again, we developed C bindings for it. So in a few months of work, we're able to swap out the entire networking core that most people use in curl for memory safe code. And the maintainer doesn't have to write a single line of Rust. He doesn't even have to know Rust or even that learn is- it. Right. That's brilliant. That's like really, yeah, it's like not disrupting his flow. I mean, the bindings are very important. I know Facebook uses it. They use Mercurial for their source code for their SEM, but they have Git bindings. And I always thought that's the way to scale is just basically getting what people know, but the underlying technology is something that's very powerful, like Rust. Yeah. If I had approached Daniel and said, we think you should rewrite curl from scratch and rust, you know, the reaction would have been understandably somewhere between frustration, anger, and hysterical laughter, right? Like that plan doesn't make any sense. Right. There are better ways to go about this. So getting back to your original question, I think you can do a lot of the work that needs to be done in really efficient ways if you're planning well. That's brilliant. And because I've been in the cloud native community for the past year and Envoy is one of the flagship reverse proxies and it just projects. It's it's usually Kubernetes, Envoy, and Linkerd or something like that. Envoy is written in C+. It's used by Google. It's used by a lot of Fortune 500s and big brands around the world. Do you have any relationship with Matt Klein? Are you working on maybe putting some of the project in memory safe code, or is that not crossed your plate yet? We haven't worked with anybody involved in Envoy, although we are very familiar with Linkerd. I think if you're looking for memory safety in that space, Linkerd is probably the answer. It's one thing to try to move a big project module by module if you think that a solid alternative doesn't exist. And and I'm sure that Linkerd, I'm not experienced enough to know it in the space to know whether it's realistic for, for major companies to swap Envoy out for Linkerd. But I would hope that Linkerd is just the future here, right? It's already a really well done memory safe service match. I'd love to see that just succeed more in the space rather than putting the work to rewrite Envoy. But if that's not going to happen, then yeah, we should make similar plans for Envoy. Again, these service messages, it's a lot of networking, right? It's HTTP stacks, it's TLS stacks. One of the other things about the strategy of sort of transplanting libraries is we can invest in the Russell's TLS library 
really heavily. And then we can go out and improve the security of all sorts of projects just by doing that same trick where we swap out OpenSSL, swap in Russell's. If you have an HTTP stack, you can swap that out, swap in the, the hyper HTTP stack. So the, this modularity, again, is just so key to our efficiency. And for all I know, we can apply that to Envoy if it comes down to it. Love it. I saw a lot of recognition in Sarah just now listening to that because we met at the Embedded Systems and Linux conference in Seattle where there were a ton of people working in the cloud native space, which makes sense. So it makes sense also that you're going there and trying to find people there to apply bindings or rewrite some of the work. I feel like a lot of this podcast has been very much like, here are your answers and here are our questions. One of the things I'm really curious about is like, what's hard right now? What's actually difficult for you? Because if just getting money from large companies to try and make sure vulnerabilities go away, like it seems like you have that in control. It seems like you're doing a really good job at that. And you're already working on some of the major projects in the world and like having a massive impact, just like you've had with Let's Encrypt. So what's difficult? What are you struggling with this year? Probably the most difficult thing for me is just, you know, you bring up Envoy again, like Envoy is a relatively recent project and I'm sure they have good reasons for picking C++, C++ right? It wasn't always possible, even relatively recently to write big projects in Rust. But I think there's a huge mental barrier for Prosmo that works like this. We have a huge amount of history that tells us C and C++ code is not safe. It is simply not safe. The data here is just not controversial at all. But we still live in a world where people will set up a new system. And when you decide to use Envoy, you're sticking, I don't know, a million lines of C++ code in the middle of your network infrastructure. How much evidence do you need that is going to blow up in your face eventually? Or if you are at a company and you say, we need to get a reverse proxy set up and we want to handle a lot of traffic. So you stick Nginx up on the edge of your network. Well, you just stuck 3 million lines of C handling all your network traffic from the internet. How much evidence do you need to see to understand that is not a good idea? Now, in some cases, you may know that it's not a good idea, but you don't have choices. And that's a real problem with the ecosystem right now that lots of people just don't have a choice. But my fear is that even when choices are on the table, people don't understand how dangerous that is. And Getting people to understand that sticking 3 million lines of C on the edge of your network is not a good idea is going to be tough. It's going to take a while to get people over that. Well, how do you explain like Cloudflare's whole stack is Nginx for the most part, that and Lua for OpenResty. They're dealing with DDoS attacks that are massive, if not sometimes the largest in the world. Maybe they're embellishing a little bit, but whatever. How does a Cloudflare go and deal with this? Is it piece by piece or is it they're not even considering it right now? I think Cloudflare is doing an amazing job here. To my knowledge, Cloudflare is doing an incredibly great job of finding critical components and moving them to memory safe languages. They have oh, good. a lot of involvement with Rust. I can't remember what's public or what's not. So I don't want to get into specific items, but Cloudflare is really innovative in the space. I think they're doing a great job moving their, especially their edge surfaces to memory safe languages, whether that's Rust or Go or, or something like that. I'm sure like every other organization, there are needs that they have where there simply doesn't exist memory safe alternative, especially in high performance spaces where you need to handle a lot of traffic. C is just 
much more efficient than most memory safe languages that have existed before Rust. So I'll take your word for it that they use Nginx a lot. My assumption would be that they simply don't have another alternative right now if that's the case. But knowing that as Cloudflare, I'm willing to bet that they're well aware of it and probably have a plan for what they're going to do about that. But yeah, we need to get people off to them. It's not just a matter of convincing people that this stuff is dangerous. You got to give them an alternative, something they can do instead. And I think for Nginx, yeah, it's totally believable to me that for lots of people who use Nginx or Apache HBD or anything else like that, they just don't have a good alternative yet. One of the things we've talked about doing that I would love to see is taking Linkerd, which at its core is a proxy, right? And turning that into a full-blown web server to essentially work in a lot of cases where people use Nginx and Apache HP now. Yeah, well, I mean, the thing is, is Nginx, it last time I checked, is the number one web server. It has passed HPD. You are working with HPD, which is great. Has there been any open lines of communication with the Nginx team? I don't know about trouble getting those lines of communication, and I really don't know if they would be interested in doing this kind of thing. In my experience, people who are already in the top spot change is harder for them, right? You got here doing totally. what you're doing. You're in the number one spot. So I don't really know what the Nginx developers would think about, about this. I would love to talk to them, but I'll say this. I really hope for the security of everybody using the internet today that 10 years from now, the number one web server is not written in C. That cannot happen. We can't allow that to happen. Popular web servers written in C need to go. That's the end of the story. I like that a lot. What I like the most is, is how clear your vision is. There's no ambiguity. Don't do this. Do something else. That's all we're trying to do. What's interesting to me is that you kind of have a multi-pronged approach. You're talking to maintainers of major projects. You're talking to companies that have vulnerabilities. What else are you doing to get the word out? How are you stopping CS professors teaching people in C? How are you talking to just normal maintainers who do stuff in C? How are you dealing with like the general, how do we get the word about Prosimo out there? Education is really hard. It's really resource intensive. It's not a place where we've focused a lot of efforts. I think if you're going to get anything done in this space, because it's so much work, you really have to focus. And we focus really heavily on a very small set of the most important projects in the world. So we have four criteria that we use to decide what we're going to engage with. And those criteria are, is it widely used? So is it on nearly every server or client? Is it on a network boundary? Is it performing a critical function? And is it written in a language that isn't memory safe? So we're really focused on those four criteria. And the first one's really important. So very widely used. We're looking at stuff that's literally everywhere. So DNS, TLS, HTTP, kernels, yeah, specifically the Linux kernel right now. So we're not even focused on a dozen projects, right? We're talking about like, what are the five to 10 absolutely most critical things that are everywhere. Like you look at a server system, it has a Linux kernel, right? It's got some sort of DNS mechanism, whether that's server or client. It's got a TLS stack, probably has an HTTP stack. The stuff that's literally everywhere. We're just laser focused on that stuff. And the rest of it's important, but we're not out there trying to get a hundred or a thousand or a million projects to move. Although I hope we can develop strategies that do help them down the road. And as far as implementation goes, we are taking a very similar approach with this work as we did with Let's Encrypt. And that is to identify 
unlimited number of places where making a change will have a huge impact. So who are those companies that we can convince to use these memory safe alternatives where the fallout from that will be millions or billions of people? And with Let's Encrypt, we are very successful with that. Some of our first major users were OVH Cloud, the largest cloud provider in Europe, and Automatic, who brought millions of websites online in like one day, Squarespace. And that had a small ripple internet scale change. And then more and more people started paying attention. So we have the same idea for this possible work, where if we change a few hearts and minds and code, then we're going to have a big impact. I love that. I really do. I say that often at the end of answers, but like, I really love this answer, which is you're not trying to do everything. You're focusing on very small, but also massive problems that need to be solved. And you seem to be doing it really Sustainably, like I, I keep thinking, like, what should I ask for sustain? What would people who listen to sustain want to know? And I keep being like, well, it's this is pretty much the perfect example of how to build better software and how to do it in a way that's really great. We're getting close to time. And so I, I'm just curious, looking at the next year, what are your priorities? Do you have any projects that you're really excited about? Do you have anything you want to plug? We have a few specific initiatives that we're actively seeking funding for this year. So I would love to have Josh just quickly talk about each of those things and why they are at the top of our priorities. Yeah, we have a number of projects we're going to be working on over the next year and we're out there raising the money to get the work done. So the first one we want to invest really heavily in in 2022 is a TLS library called Russell's, R-U-S-T-L-S. We think this is a fantastic replacement for OpenSSL on a bunch of projects. We would love to make it better. We'll be investing in the Linux kernel in 2022. If you or your company are interested in helping us out with that work, let us know. Another one that we're going to be working a lot on in 2022 is MTP. So all computers need to keep track of time. They do that with little programs that are exposed to the internet, mostly written in C. We want to fix that. So we're going to be investing in NTP. So if you're interested in any of these, you can figure out how to help us get the stuff going and donate at memorysafety.org. Awesome. Thank you. Please fix all the clocks. My sister's Honda reset yesterday to like 2000 or like 1980. And apparently all Hondas have started doing that. So like, yeah, NTP sounds in particular like a project that we should probably support, but all of your projects are like that. I like how you've actually listed the memorysafety.org is really well designed. It's like an easy read. And the, it really also shows your ethos of, no, we pick really big, important, hard things and nothing else. I don't really have a follow-up question beyond saying that. So what are you excited about in the next year? What's going to happen soon that you're like, yes, finally, if only the end of fundraising season until the next one. I don't say one thing that I'm really excited about related to Russell is the progress with which Miguel Ajeda and his team have made in getting Rust ready for the Linux kernel and the surprising amount of positivity that has come from the kernel community about the potential for this to be the second language ever in its 30-year history to be actually brought into the kernel. 
And I think that's a real testament to the changing tide and to actual brilliance of people like Miguel who can make this change possible. I feel very bullish on the idea that this is going to happen before the first half of the year. And that's so exciting. A lot of doors are opening as soon as that happens and it's going to be a watershed moment. Yeah. And Linus hasn't like exploded on it. So it's definitely going to happen. Yeah. I would say reserved positivity (laughs) from Linus. And that is very exciting. Yeah. Yeah. I can't beat that answer. I think that's a great answer. When we started Prosimo, I think of myself as a pretty optimistic person. I was like, we can have a plan to boot open SSL off the internet. That's a dream of mine. I think that's an achievable goal. It's a hard goal. It's going to take time, many years, but it's an achievable goal. So I, I feel like I'm a pretty optimistic person, but initially I left the Linux kernel off the list. So hard to change. And the yeah. fact that Alex Gainer and Miguel Ajeda have made so much progress that as soon as we saw that, we knew like, this is what we need to invest in. It's incredible. So it just blows my mind that they're getting there. And what a story that's going to be, right? If anybody is thinking about whether Rust will integrate with their low-level project, once it's in the Linux kernel, it's hard to keep up with a lot of those arguments, right? Like you mentioned, Linux is not an easy maintainer to please in a lot of ways, especially doing something like picking one out of all the other languages to stick in the kernel. And wow, just wow. I would also add on a personal note that the thing I'm most excited about in 2022 is that my suburb of Minneapolis has gotten citywide compost. Everybody can compost everything now. I'm so happy about it. I love that. Yes, that is so cool. That actually reminds me of the best part of the show. Well, one of the best part of the shows is, what do we call it again? Spotlight, where we highlight projects that just need love or anything that really is awesome. Composting citywide sounds like an awesome spotlight, but I think we're going to have another one there. So just to go through the round, Justin, what is your spotlight today? My spotlight today is Twitter communities. Feel free to DM me for an invite to the open source community. It's popping. At Jay Dorfman on Twitter. You can also find him on the website. That's podcast.sustainoss.org, I believe, for all of us. This show will be there with the show notes. My spotlight today was going to be snowplows because they're amazing and digital infrastructure is the best, but it's actually going to be someone called Carl Becker. Carl Becker was a random person in the community who made a PR to a DOI regex project that I've had on GitHub for years and apparently is actually being used by actual researchers, which makes me so happy. And his PR was, hey, here's another test that should pass. It's so rare to get someone who actually just PRs a test. I was just so happy. And he was so cheerful in his comments that it really made my day to merge this guy's PR. So Carl, wherever you are in the world, thank you for being an excellent member of the open source community. You are amazing. That's my spotlight. So that's great. All right, Sarah, what's your spotlight? My spotlight is Crowdin, which is a localization platform that we use for translating the Let's Encrypt website. So Let's Encrypt is an organization that seeks to serve people using the internet in every corner of the world. And it was really bugging us that our website was only in English. One of our great community maintainers, Tom Delmas, did a lot of work 
first to try and manage localizations on GitHub. And then he introduced Crowded to us and it has totally changed our ability to make our website content available in now 16 languages. And it has made it possible for one of the members of my team, Finn Odom, to really start develop relationships with people who are making these translations to encourage more languages that are not the most broadly used ones to be on our website. And it has been awesome for us. I'd also like to note that Crowden is offering this service to us pro bono, and we are very grateful for that. Massive second round of applause for Crowden. They are so awesome. Love them so much. Great one. Josh, what's yours? I would like to highlight an operating system project called CubesOS. Q-U-B-E-S. It's not the most popular operating system. It may never be, but I think it's one of the most innovative in terms of security. And if you need to run an operating system that has a level of security that almost nothing else does, Cube is there for you. When we have really sensitive work that we need to do within lots of crypto or anything else, we sometimes turn to Cubes. And it's been great for us because it's one of those projects that isn't so popular, but it's so critical to the people who need it. I really hope that they keep getting the support that they need to keep going. It's just a great project. You can find them on Open Collective. Awesome. And we'll have the link in the show notes as well for that. All right. Those are the spotlights. Thank you so much. Before you go, I want to know, where can people find Prosimo online? You can find Prosimo at memorysafety.org. Memory safety is a really easy thing to remember. I feel like memorysafety.org may have been a better name, but Prosimo is still cool. So thank you so much. And where can people find you two online? Do you have Twitters? Do you have blogs? Do you have Twitch streams that you want to plug real briefly? I'm on Twitter. Maybe not the most active Twitter user, but I'm there. You can reach me. Actually, Josh is not at the bottom of Twitter activity. That's me. I'm also on Twitter in the most inactive capacity. Excellent. All right. So people, if you want to engage, sounds like you're going to have to do it the old fashioned way by following the same passion that they have, which means you can go to memorysafety.org or check out the show notes and find our Twitters and tweet them there. Sarah, Josh, it was so great having you on. Thank you so much. Best of luck. And I really love this project. Thank you so much again. Take care. Thank you.